Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hi everyone and welcome to the latest episode of Grecian's Gossip. Uh, I'm joined by the usual crew here, David Byram. Hello. Dan Clark. Hello. And Jamie Hawkins. Hello. A um, few bits to cover today. I guess the most obvious place to start is with Yeovil, uh, City's game at the weekend. Um, David, you've uh, been doing a bit of preview work for this game. Um, is it a game City have to win, do you think? Probably, yeah. I mean, it's it's not in the territory of must-win, you know, must-win, must-win game, but it's it's a game they should be looking to win, but definitely, you know, they're at this point in the season now, eight games left. They can't afford to drop points against teams like Google. But then you've got the, the sort of added added complexity of the fact it's a local derby, which means it'll make make things a little more difficult. Um, it was quite an even even contest at, on Boxing Day when the three teams met. Um, probably one of the dullest games I've ever seen, actually. But um, uh, So uh, it, it's sort of one of those games where perhaps it might even favour City at the moment. You know, you look at how they play against Accrington Stanley, for example, a team they should have won, it, uh, should have beaten. It was a very flat, very sort of lifeless... But this is a derby. Local pride's also up for stake. They've got a few players on either side who play for both sides. Perhaps it might make make the game a bit more interesting, have a bit more to it, and uh, that could sort of inspire them to get a few points. Do you agree with what um, Paul Tisdale was saying about um, it being a sort of most friendly rivalry between the two teams? I think so. Yeah, it's, it's not like a, it's not like the Devon derby. It's not like Plymouth or anything like that. The, the two teams do seem, or the two sets of fans do seem to get on quite well. Uh, they they sort of never had any issues and they they've got this sort of they've got the, the sort of added like, I suppose relationship with Adam Stanfield the two clubs which I think has always sort of helped bring them together you know the the two two sets of supporters hold, often hold football games against each other for the the Adam Stanfield Cup I think it's called and I mean I, I think they they do sort of share that sort of bond. Mm. Dan, what do you think about? It? I mean, will City be disappointed with anything other than three points? Or? You'd think so, really. I mean, Yeovil. So I was at that, at that game on, on Boxing Day, and they never really sort of threatened as if they were going to score a, score a goal. I mean, Exeter, the same same actually could be said of them on that day. But then if you look at a lot of their results this season, the Oval, they don't score a lot of get goals, they don't win a lot of games, so they don't look as if they've got that attacking threat to come and sort of you know take the game away from Exeter City and. They're not in the great, the best form either at the moment. So it's the kind of game, Yeovil. They've not got really anything to play for. They're not going to make the playoffs. They're not going to go down. You know, so it's you almost kind of a game you you'd be pan picking the, the kind of opposition. You know, mid table, nothing to play for, not a great side in the first place to take on, and that's next. Yeah, we'll be looking at it going. This is this is a great chance to to get three points to keep. This you know this decent run of form going at the moment, and sort of just stretch that gap behind to the teams behind them in the playoffs, cement that playoff spot, and it's a game that realistically they should be winning. Mm. Jamie, three points as well. Do you think? Yeah, I mean, I kind of feel every game is getting to that stage of must win now. It's not many games to go. Points, you know, you drop two points and you could be out of the playoffs. It's that tight. Um, 
you know, as we said, Yeovil haven't got much to play for, which history suggests doesn't really work in City's favour because I think of many games where it's teams we should be beating, teams I've never to play for, like Accrington in a way, um, and we failed to beat them for some reason. Um, pressure or I don't know, but um, yeah, I think you know you're looking at next few games. You know, I think it's Newport at home the week after. You know, another game which we should win, so it could be a really important um, couple of weeks. And um, you know, kind of, I guess technically it's derby because it's closer than Plymouth actually. <laughs> but I don't think many fans um, see it that way. Like as David said, a friendly derby. I don't really think that'll have any extra incentive, to be honest. Um, not amongst the, the fans, anyway. I don't think you know when the fixtures are actually first one you look for is Yeovil. Um, but having said that, you know it's still a big game. You know every every game now is a big game, and like I said, if we anything less than three points could be a, you know vital at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. David, how can you see Tiz approaching it tactically? Are they just attacking hard for it or playing a bit more cautiously? I think you've got to attack against a team like Yeovil, as, as Dan was saying. They, they don't really show too much attacking intent from, from the times I've seen them. So, uh, you know, you, you need to go out all about attack. You know, get the first goal, settle the nerves a little, because, you know, against Accrington, it was noticeable after the first goal went in. It was a, a little nervy, a little jittery. And uh, the City are definitely sort of more used to I would say in this season especially holding the lead and doing something with that rather than having to come from behind and they look more comfortable doing that so you know attack early on in the same way they did against Cheltenham and uh, you know I think for that respect you could even make an argument for the same team against as that started against Cheltenham but um, no yeah definitely attack rather than defend I think mm. Do we have any idea about the condition of Jordan Moore Taylor and um, whether he'll play or not? And if, if not, who might replace him at the back? Um, not really. I mean, I've, I've not spoken to Paul Tizel since Monday, um, so it's not really clear. He uh, he had stitches. Um, it's a case. I, I suppose it's a case of, of uh, whether he's um, whether he's sort of got a concussion or anything like that. I mean, uh, impossible to say, I guess. But. Uh, if he doesn't play, I think Luke Crowell will probably stay in. You know, um, there, there doesn't really seem to be a, a sort of better option at the moment. I mean, you, some might argue that there are better options playing-wise, but no one, none of the defenders had the sort of playing time that Luke Crowell's had recently. You know, he was the first choice to come in against uh, against Luton. He's also left-footed, Troy Brown's right-footed, so that, I mean, but well, that would make sense rather than someone like Pierce Sweeney, and then he'd end up with two right-footed centre-backs, which... While it's in the end of the world, I think he'd probably prefer a left-footed one in that. Dan, mm. we've heard that um, Christy Pym may well be back in as well. What do you think that will bring to the team? Um, well, Christy, sort of, as we were sort of saying, Christy Pym, over the course of the season, has probably looked the better goalkeeper out of him and Aleshnik. You say he is the undisputed number one, but, but Aleshnik, the last couple of games, been a little bit better. He played, re- you know, played really well against Cheltenham, made some good saves. Um, at Luton over the weekend so he's just coming into the kind of form and it's I suppose it depends just how fit uh, Christy Pym is 100% he's probably better than Lesnick if he's only 80% maybe you, you give it another week keep keep Lesnick in the side I, I don't know but Christy Pym 
he does seem to be the better of the two goalkeepers. He is the un- the number one at the moment. Sort of, he's sort of grown in stature this season as well. Sort of become more commanding. He sort of controls the area, probably better with his feet as well, and that all sort of adds up. But obviously, if it if it's you know the kind of game, do you really want to risk a half fit goalkeeper when you've got a fully fit alternative? Possibly not. It's not a must must win game. It's not like this is a playoff final and you've got to win it. It's the kind of game that it would be disappointing if you lost, but you'd still be in the playoff race. So perhaps it might be another week before Pim comes back and you hold Gilalesnik this game and then Pim back in next Saturday if, if he is fully fit and that's the situation. Mm-hmm. Jamie, how would you feel about it? You've said in the past you're a, a fan of Gilalesnik, so you'd rather see him stay? Yeah, I think if Pim does come back, that'll completely ruin his you know his confidence I think Bobby Legend I think that'll say okay that's pretty much confirmed I'm not really um, not wanted but that I'm not you know the, the first choice goalkeeper and um, you know I've perhaps looking to leave in the summer I think we spoke about that before but um, you know I think he's really proved his worth in the team the last couple of games um, that I made some excellent saves at Luton on Saturday um, so I think he's, you know, just about got his confidence and belief back. And if he was to be dropped on Saturday, that would just go out the window. Um, so yeah, it's a difficult one. You'd perhaps think whoever plays in goal won't have too much to do, given you know, like we said, Yo's attacking or lack of attacking um, ambition, perhaps. Um, so yeah, at the moment, I'd probably stick with Bobby. Mm-hmm. David, have you got any hunch as to what Tiz might do or even what condition Chrissy Pym is in, whether he'll be fit to start or? Um I think Christy will be will be fit from what Paul Tizel said. Um he, he sort of trained at the end of last week and I mean I, I think he came through it unscathed and they were sort of aiming for this game as as, as his comeback. But at the same time I think as, as Jamie said it would be pretty harsh to drop a Lesnick after sort of playing reasonably well in the past couple of games and uh I think it, it could actually hinge on whether Jordan Moore Taylor's fit or not. You know, if, if Jordan Moore Taylor isn't fit and they have to bring in a defender, then you you perhaps be thinking if you're Paul Tisdale, that's too many changes at the back for changes' sake. Why not just keep Elizabeth in there and, and sort of keep that the, the the sort of back four as it was against Luton where they got used to playing with each other. Mm. It'll be interesting to see which uh, you know, which way he goes with that. Uh, on that note, let's give um, Paul Tisdale a listen to now with. Um, to what he had to say about the game. But it's all kind of bunching up, isn't it? There's a few teams that are in and around, so I can imagine it being quite... Every game, there's a bit of stress around it. Really. There's lots of stress, and it depends how you view that. You know, Do you enjoy it, and you know, do, we, do we meet it head-on and, and, and just march through all these stresses, or do we, do we worry too much and get equipped by anxiety? We've, we've had one game this year, but it'll be recently, where we didn't, I think meet it in the right positive optimistic fashion you know the um, the Aquaton game at home I thought we, we just didn't, didn't show enough just enjoyment of the, of, of the challenge but uh, other than that I think we've we've been pretty consistent with our competitive nature and the players are playing on of course to structure and to direction but they're playing on instinct and they're and they're, they're enjoying what they're doing it's a time of the year, basically, when there's a game once a week rather than the hectic period over Christmas and the beginning of the season. You said after the game on Saturday that reserve games take on 
a lot of importance now just to keep players fresh. How did it all go this week? We had another game this week against Hartford College. Um, I suppose really it's, it's it's about covering all bases and the, and the base that we are talking about in this instance is we suddenly get a couple of injuries or you get Jordan Moore Taylor going off the pitch in the second minute of the game and the player that has to come on is he ready there's one thing being rested and but another thing being at his game and, and being at the top of his game and the only way you can do that is by playing games and if you're on the bench you can't you're not playing games by definition so to, to, to push those players into a a level of performance they need to be playing regularly and we've had a reserve game once a week the other one next week and um, I don't need to list them but all the players who are, on the, who are on the edge of the team the ones who are trusted who just don't happen to be in the team at the moment um, all need to play and uh, there was a good game this week there was one last week the week before the week before and uh, I think Luke Kroll coming on and playing for 90 minutes at Luton was, uh, was a good indication to anybody that what can happen yeah, and he was an example of you, so as he came on, how is Jordan? Jordan's got, you know, he had a nasty gash and bump on the head. He'll be, he'll be um, hopefully fit to play on Saturday with maybe with the appropriate protection on his head. But um, all things being, being equal, we, we, we hope he'll be fit. And, and any of the other guys that are off injured picking up knocks, stuff like that? Well, we've had, we've had two or three in the, in the, in the medical room up until this point and so Thursday, Friday you tend to find out who's still struggling and who's recovered so it's probably early Early, I mean, I'd, be, I'd be surprised if we had all 11 players who started last week fit and playing this week but um, and that's not me playing some kind of um, um, <laughs> enigmatic game I just don't really know yet there's two or three who are who are suffering with bumps and bruises who I, I think will be fit for Saturday but I don't know yet and can you tell us who they are? Or? No. Okay. Um, Yeovil coming up on Saturday. Um, what sort of game are you expecting from them? Highly competitive, a local derby. Regardless of league position, of form, of recent results, it'll be competitive and hard for and a little bit our best. It's as simple as that. And it'll be a great atmosphere. Um, that time of the year when the weather turns better and the pitches become firmer and the games become quicker and and the intensity of the game I think will be up a notch to your normal game and uh, it'll be a terrific game yeah. You'll obviously have a lot riding on it uh, chasing the playoffs, some people may argue I know it's a local derby and you said that, but Yeovil possibly don't have too much to play would you agree with that? Depends which way you look at these things you know, a manager, a coach, a player a professional manager, player will always have something to play for because it's his career and it's his development and progress and reputation and if, if the team's managed and directed correctly which I'm sure they are you know, they'll be 100% focused there's no doubt about it so as a manager you, you, you cannot afford to, to, to slip into um, periods of apathy and um, indifference every game is highly important right then having listened to um, what Paul Tissa had to say uh, moving on to Ethan Ampadu now um, we heard some comments from Jurgen Klopp earlier this week regarding um, Ben Woodburn being called into the um, Wales squad from Liverpool and um, very young lad I mean same question over at Ethan Ampadu given that he's on, on standby now for Wales I mean David do you think that's he's too young Ampadu at the moment or uh, I think he, you know, I, I back him to to sort of adapt and, and not be phased by being called into the into the sort of full world squad if it, if that is what happens. 
But um, I do rather agree with Jurgen Klopp that it's it's too soon for for sort of teenagers, sixteen, seventeen year olds, to be called into the into the sort of full squad. Woodburn, you probably could argue the case that he he's more suited than than Ampadu, having played Premier League football now, and being a year older than Ampadu. But um, I I think Chris Coleman's probably being a little disingenuous if he says these two players are the best or the, are the best options for his squad. I think it's probably a case of him saying. You know, let's get these let's get these lads a cap and get them qualified for for Wales rather than England. But um, you know, I, th- I think it's a little unfair to sort of put Ethan Ampadu under that pressure at 16, especially when he's got the GCSE coming up and he's not played for Exeter City since uh, November, to be honest. Mm. Dan, what do you make of it? I mean, when I sort of sort of first read that Ampadu was on standby for Wales, it sort of came as a, a bit of a surprise, sort of thinking. You know, this is a guy who, for various reasons, hasn't even been a regular in a League Two side. Now, he might be one injury away from being in a in a in a squad for a side that well, last summer was the four, one of the four best teams in Europe, and sort of feels almost as if there's something not quite doesn't quite tally up there. That Ethan Ampadu, he's you know, undoubtedly a great talent. He looks a, a great player. Is he ready for his senior international football at the moment? He's nowhere near it, I don't think, and. You know, you sort of feel that it might be more of a. I'm just sort of sounding you out. I want you know, you're going to be part of my squad long term, and just want to perhaps you know, even if it's just him coming to training with the squad, getting a feel sort of what it's like to be you know training and playing with top class players rather than sort of League Two quality players. Just having a look, and so he can see what he's got and what he needs to work with in the future, but. It's, I'd say it definitely sort of feels far too soon for Ampadu to be playing at the, at the top level. I mean, it's not necessarily it's not ju- just the age thing. It's you'd say, you know, if you're a Wales fan, would you would you want Ethan Ampadu playing for you on Friday night against Ireland? Don't think many of them would would if they saw his name on the team sheet would be particularly confident as to how it would come on. Bed would burn. It's a slightly different matter because he's been in, you know, Liverpool squad pretty much pretty regularly since the, since about November December. So he, you know, you can argue a case that he might be one of the the best Welsh strikers at the moment. There's not a, it's not exactly an area they're blessed with talent with. So you know, in and around the squad as an option off the bench, 10, 10, 15 to go possibly. But I can't see Ethan Ampadu being called up into the actual main squad even if there's a few injuries, it's just a little bit too soon for him. I think maybe maybe in twelve sort of we're talking twelve, eighteen months time, possibly not, but at this stage it's one step too far. Maybe the under twenty ones would be a better place for him to be at this stage. Jamie, do you think there's a claim that um perhaps it's just good good experience for for a youngster to get him exposed to international as, as early as possible? Yeah, I mean I think Wales have a a reputation lately of Calling up young players, I think you know we saw the Euros how you know young a squad they've got. They've mixed it up quite well, and um, you know will he be involved? He probably won't be involved. Um, you know, playing Ireland on Friday—that's a huge game in qualifiers. You can't throw him in for that, I don't think. But um, I think it'll be a good experience for him to. I know he's. I think he's trained before with the squad, but to get that experience under him, you know. He's going to play for Wales, I'm sure. You know, he'll probably be a, a first teamer, you know, in the future. 
Um, but yeah, like David said, he's got you know GCSEs coming up. You think that'd be more important at the moment? But um, you know, for a sixteen-year-old, I think he'd relish that opportunity, wouldn't you? I don't think he'll. He probably won't be thinking, "Oh, don't know why I shouldn't be doing it." He'll be, you know, rubbing his hands together. I think. But um, I think it'd be a great experience for him. I think, you know, I was a bit surprised to hear it, given you know he'd gone a bit quiet recently. You know, if it's a few months ago when he was breaking records and um, you know gaining a reputation, then you would be surprised. But um, you know, it probably just shows how um, thin a squad they have at the moment. Wales. So yeah, I, you know, he probably wouldn't be involved. So I think it's a great, be a great learning curve for him. Well, I'll throw out to, to all three of you. Is I mean, is, is there anything wrong with Chris Coleman? I and mean, we've talked about how he doesn't have a huge pool of talent to select from. So perhaps trying to, to nail down these youngsters early when he when he can and get them to commit for Wales is perhaps just making use of the best best resources he has available to him. I suppose so, um, but it, it does seem a little like uh, they're sort of stockpiling talent that you can't really guarantee is gonna is gonna sort of. Pay off, you know. What's um, is it? Is it Wilson that the player has just come in um, as a, a replacement? I can't, I can't remember the guy's name from from Liverpool. Um, and uh, he he made his debut about three or four years ago. He's not played since, and he's not even playing for Liverpool at the moment. And it just seems bizarre, a bizarre tactic to sort of bring all these players in and then just give them five minutes here and there just to guarantee they can play for them. Because uh, you know, with someone like Ampadu and, and Woodburn as well. They do seem pretty locked in and and sort of committed to to the world squad. It's not like they're gonna go go away to England. Who, by all accounts, have have sort of approached Ethan Ampadu asking if he would like to come back to to England, and Ampadu said no. So, uh, I think it is is slightly. I'm not sure. I don't feel entirely comfortable with with 16 year olds being sort of used like that in a way when, it, like as we said, Ampadu's got GCSE to worry about and. I, I, I'm not sure if it's in their best interest or just Wales's best interest, to be honest. Dan, do you think England are missing a trick at all, not being so kind of ruthless in that regard? I mean, uh, to a, possibly. I mean, you can imagine though the headlines if Gareth Southgate had called Ethan Ampadu into the England squad for the, these games this week. I mean, yeah, there would be some serious questions asked as to what the heck, what is he doing picking a 16-year-old from a League Two club in his squad? And I guess. I mean, England have missed a trick with someone like you know a couple of players in the past. Wilfred Zahavs, they wanted him, capped him in friendlies. Now's playing for the Ivory Coast, and sort of you feel that though. I'd argue England, they haven't really missed anything. Well, with Wilfred well Zahavs, no, no, but yeah, it's the kind of thing they've had him around the squad. They had the chance to lock him down and let him go. I mean, whether Zahar will turn out to be a top an England quality player or not is a different matter. But I suppose England. What they have compared to Wales, England, they've got a bigger pool of players to choose from. They've got a higher you know, number of players. Wales, they've only got a small, you know, a small base to start with, and they can't, as you know, above any, you know, so they can't really afford to let certain, you know, some of the top talents slip through their through their hands and slip through the net. While as England, you know, say they've lost Sahar, but there's a lot of other, there's a lot more players who could do the same job. That you know, you felt if he was Welsh, it would be a, a much bigger blow to them. Right. In instance, so I mean, like, if obviously England, they've, they've made approaches. They've asked Ampadu if he wants to play for them. I mean, if, if he's turned out, if he's turned out and said no, I'm going to play for Wales, then 
to continually hound him and say, you know, pick him in squads and everything just wouldn't sort of feel right as the kind of thing to do. You know, they've offered him which country do you want to play for? If he feels Welsh, then let him play for Wales, I guess. I'm surprised you didn't mention Victor Moses with good young English talent. <laughs> but, uh, there you go. Um, right, David, you caught up with uh, Jordan Tilson, so if we um, have a listen what Jordan has got to say about things. Jordan, how, how's training been today? Um, yeah, I didn't train today. I was on a recovery session. I played in the reserves yesterday, so um, I mean, we're back on the grass now and the pitches are looking nice and it's, it's good to be back out there. And uh, how do you get on in the reserves yesterday? We won 7-2 against uh, Hartbury College. So oh, wow. That's good, yeah, good result, yeah. <laughs> did he get on the score sheet? Or I what? did score one, yeah, I got one, managed to, yeah. So <laughs> and score. that's a few you got for the reserves now, isn't it? Yeah, I think I've scored um, four in the last three games, I think it is, but obviously the reserves are different to the first team, but um, it's always nice to score and hopefully that continues. And uh, you've been in pretty good form when you've been in the first team recently as well? Uh, yeah, done all right. Just uh, trying to help the team out whenever I can and um, hopefully I can just keep on doing my performances when, uh, whenever I'm called upon to play. And uh, I mean is, is it difficult to sort of, because uh, obviously you started against Cheltenham and then we're on the bench against uh, Luton, is it, is it sort of difficult to, to come in and out on the side like that? Um, obviously you want to play every game and you get the continuity of playing every game but um, it's part of the game and uh, a lot of the boys have done it, come in and played well and you have to do it for the team. It's it's we're at that stage of the season where you need to need to be ready to play, and everyone seems to seems to be ready to play. And uh, shows with Luke Kroll coming on after five minutes that how ready he's been. So um, yeah, and uh, I suppose reserve games help with with sort of being ready to play. Yeah, they definitely do. Yeah, um, we've had I think about four or five in the last month, and definitely kept us sort of match fit and ready. And um, we just got got to be prepared for anything that gets chucked at us. Last sort of eight games left and anyone can get injured or like with George concussion Saturday so definitely and uh, just looking back on Saturday obviously came on with about 25 minutes left and solid point in the end yeah it was uh, I think it was important we didn't lose that game and um, sort of kept loot and close to us and uh, we've got everything to play for the last eight games so we're, we're definitely ready to go and uh, it looked like you were sort of playing in an advanced sort of attacking midfield role at one point <laughs> uh, yeah uh, I just sort of um, just the way it was Oates come on and um, sort of managed to short it up sort of behind me and Lloyd and it allowed me and Lloyd to go higher and press so which um, helped the team out I think and uh, just like you had to Yeovil to this weekend it's obviously a, a big game with it being a local derby uh, yeah it's, it's always a big game these local derbies we seem to have quite a few I know Chowton's quite far but it's still a bit of a local derby for us and um, we'll be ready for whatever they chuck at us and I'm sure that uh, they'll be ready too so it's going to be a very competitive game and uh, a lot riding on it with, with you obviously still in the, the playoffs at the moment exactly we, we want to keep pushing and uh, and that's what we'll do Saturday we'll be firing out the blocks ready to go and uh, with sort of teams closing the gap on you is it important to sort of start well in, in these sorts of games yeah definitely we, we've got a game plan and we, we'll know what we're doing but um, like you say it's getting tight this end of the season and, and it's tightening up in front of us as well so we've got to look forward as well and keep, keep keeping the toes of the others and uh, I, I suppose that's a key at the moment not to, to sort of look behind you but to, to keep looking ahead yeah definitely Yeah, we want to keep keep looking forward and that's what we'll be doing and uh, do you enjoy playing in, in local derbies yeah love them yeah that's what the atmosphere is obviously a little bit better than other games but 
it's it's obviously a great experience. Yeah. And I mean, do you notice sort of players getting more more pumped up for, for games like this? Um, it's, it's like Joel Grant, for example, who's obviously played for played for Yeovil in the past. Yeah, obviously, there's there's players who've played for clubs in the region before, and um, yeah, I think everyone's ready for every game this time of season. We we need the points more than anybody else, so we're going to be after them. Yeah. There we go. And throw the floor open to any other business. <laughs> I suppose um, you know, there was a couple of games this midweek. Um, I suppose the most one for, for Exeter City was a Luton uh, only drawing away at Newport in their game in hand, which um, sort of is a good result for Exeter, really, in, in the sense that it keeps you know, Luton only two points ahead of them now when it could have been four had they won that game. That's a, another team within one win, one, you know, one slip up, and you can overtake. So sort of the midweek, you know, a couple of midweek features, but that did go well for Exeter City and you know, Luton obviously that's a two or three games in a row now that they've not won. They're sort of just starting to stumble at this stage and gives you know, it doesn't really help Newport's cause either at the bottom. They're still I think seven or eight points away from safety, so doesn't it sort of they're gonna be you know, they're coming to St James's Park in a couple of weeks, they're gonna obviously be needing to win that game but they're almost, you know, if things don't go well for Newport in the next couple of weeks, they could almost be effectively gone by the time they they come to Exeter, which could help you know, Paul Tisdale's men in that regard. It's interesting, um, David, you caught up with obviously some former Exeter City players this week about what it takes to reach the playoffs, and momentum seemed to be something that cropped up a lot with them, and uh, the need to maintain momentum. And as we've seen, uh, Luton sort of stumbling slightly, as Dan pointed out. I mean, I think that's... Um, probably shows you sort of how important this weekend could be for, for Exeter and if they can keep up winning then uh, they'll have plenty of momentum. Yeah and it's not just uh, it's not just Luton that are stumbling you know you, you look at Carlisle they're stumbling but you know Portsmouth lost to Stevenage on, on Saturday the, the only real team that are in the playoffs at the moment who have got that momentum I would say is Stevenage with City arguably second now in, in that sort of list of, of four teams. But then, uh, I mean, all of them said, and all of them admitted it was a massive cliche, but there's always one team who will sneak in for outside. And I think the key for City now is to, you know, they can overtake Carlisle on uh, on Saturday. I'm just thinking of the table now. Carlisle have got a goal difference of naught, which so it shows how, considering they're sixth in the table, it shows how badly they've been doing recently. So, uh, you know, I think the key for City now is to, rather than focus on, on just securing a place in the playoffs, which everyone would like them to do, not even focus on, on sort of trying to get third place, but just focus on climbing the table a bit. You know, they've been in that final class spot for a while now. And, uh, you know, it, if they look at it in the fact that their team will sneak in from the outside, and I think they will, and I think it, Blackpool look most likely to do that with the, with the form they're in, then uh, they need to sort of make sure they're, they're sixth or higher in a, in a way. And, uh, I mean, so, yes, yeah, for me it's just a case of maybe not... You know, trying to build momentum over the final eight games—it's not always possible. But just focus on not being seventh come the fo- uh, come the second to last game of the season or the last game of the season. Jamie, I'll finish with you. So, do you think Exeter City are overachieving? Or perhaps even the start of the season that they've had. Um, I'm just trying to remember at the start of the season what the ambitions were because I think a few of the players were talking about the playoffs. Um, as a target, I can't remember if Tisdale really mentioned it. He normally tends to play that sort of thing down. But I think when you know players come out 
start of the season say you know we're hoping we can be up there this season obviously the fans are going to expect from that um, I think as a fan you know in League 2 you're always looking um, to get promoted I think since we got relegated from League 1 the ambition's always been to go straight back up and we haven't really looked like doing that recently we seem to have flurries you know go on a nice run and stumble um, you know, throw that in with financial issues, which we haven't had actually in the last couple of years. We're in a good place. I think, you know, on paper we've got a, a good squad. I think last season we had a really good squad, but definitely underachieved. Um, so, yeah, I think certainly me and quite a few fans expect, um, you know, to be looking at the playoffs at least. You know, I don't think. League Two is a great league in terms of quality. Um, you know, I think you look at the teams that are up there, most of them Portsmouth, Luton, and then you've got teams that came down, Carlisle and Doncaster. Um, so I think given the standard of the league, um, you've got to be looking at promotion, considering especially as well that we've been there before, Tisdale's guided us you know, to promotion from League Two before. Um, yeah, so I think anything less than like a you know at least a top ten finish is seen as a, a failure. Dan, would you agree with that? Yes, I mean, so when you look at you know the start of the season, you'd be looking at you know the squad Exeter City had, the squad and the lot of the other squads, and you'd be saying you know, top half definite playoffs realistically should be the bare, the minimum sort of target. Not necessarily you're going to achieve that, but you know, we've seen a lot of sides come to St James's Park this season. You've gone away thinking they don't look a very good side, and you know some of them are in the top half of the table. So it's League Two isn't one of it's not the highest quality league at the minute. There's you know two or three good sides in there, but there's a lot of teams who you really should be finishing above the Exeter City with the some of the talents that they've got. So they should, you know. The squad they've built is a squad for the playoffs. It's a squad that's probably more looking upwards at League One standard rather than making sure you stay in League Two. And it sort of feels that you know, been, they've had a few goes at the playoffs, sort of not quite sort of fallen away at the end of seasons. You sort of feel this time they've got the squad there. They've got a bit of momentum. They've got some more, maybe a few more characters and a few more winners in the side than they've had in the past two should be able to push them on to a top seven finish and you, you feel that if Exeter did finish eighth this season or lower than Paul Tisdale some of the players a lot of the fans would be looking back at it at the end of the season and say that was a real missed opportunity to, to get out of this league rather than you know be, just be happy at a top half finish David final word I mean you must have seen practically every team playing this season in League 2 um, covering City you think Exeter are, say, the seventh best team in the division, or higher, or lower? Or? Uh, I think they are arguably higher than, than seventh. It, I mean, I've seen. I think it, it's really difficult to tell, to be honest, because you know at the start of the season, especially wait, especially at home, they just didn't give anyone a test. It was so difficult to to sort of gauge how how good other teams were, because they just weren't. Because City just couldn't play well at home. You know, I, I, as Dan said, I, I remember sort of looking back at a few games. Thinking, you know, like Cambridge, for example, they, where they, I think they won two one, and Chrissy Pym gifted Cambridge a goal, 
I remember looking back and thinking, well, Cambridge weren't that good, but at that point they were fourth or fifth on the table or something like that. And the only the only two teams who I can who I can say I've been really really impressed with are probably Plymouth and Doncaster, and that's sort of shown in the table. And uh, you know Portsmouth I've not been impressed with. Luton have looked quite quite strong, but again they've not been able to beat City. While well, they did in the FA Cup, but that was a different matter. But they're not in the league, and uh, it, it's sort of I think it is a poor league this season. To be honest, I think. You know, I think you've got to be looking at it this season and thinking, it's as poor as it's ever going to be. What, why not try and mount a challenge to, to go up? Good stuff. Well, brilliant. Well, thanks very much for joining us and uh, take care. And we hope we'll see you next time on Grecian's Gossip.